Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nasalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. And we are continuing Surat al-Kahf. And the floor is yours. So I'm going to start um, t- t- by talking about ayat 50 to 59. Um, so a little bit of summary. Um, these ayat talk about uh, Iblis refusing to prostrate to Adam, uh, um, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions um, the sinners who will see the fire, and then there's also um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, saying that he has explained subjects in the Quran in numerous ways, and then there's also a mention of um, messengers being sent with good tidings as well as warnings, but they were often mocked by people. Um, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also talks about um, people refusing to be guided despite um, all the signs being given. And then um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says that he is the most forgiving, but for people who transgress, there is an appointed time for their destruction. So a little bit of commentary. Um, these ayat talk about um, Iblis and uh, his progeny or um, his descendants and followers. And the word that is used here is Buryata, which means offspring. But um, scholars debate on whether this actually means progeny or accomplices. And um, there's hadith that support um, that it could be progeny, but only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. Um, and then these ayat also um, talk about um, the quarrelsome nature um, of mankind. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكَانَ الْإِنسَانُ أَكْثَرَ شَيْءٍ which means, and man is the most quarrelsome of all things. So over here, um, there's a hadith that sort of goes more into detail about this. So, um, on the day of judgment, a disbeliever will be asked about how he responded to Rasulullah's message, and he will lie and say that he believed in it and he did as the Prophet preached. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show him his book of deeds, which will basically prove that what he said was a lie. And the disbeliever um, will claim that this book isn't the truth. Um, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will uh, bring up the fact that angels were writing down everything that this man said or did. And the disbeliever won't accept this because he couldn't see them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then seal his mouth and then his hands and his, his feet will bear witness against his kufr and his shirk. <clears throat> and then the disbeliever will be thrown into the hellfire. And then ayat um, 60 to 70 talk about Musa al-Islam and um, the knowledgeable man, um, Al-Khadr. Um, <clears throat> so um, these ayat begin with, um, which means, and when Musa al-Islam said to his young man. Um, so the word fatah means young man. And in, in this context is used to describe an attendant or servant. Um, who happens to be a young, strong male. Um, and here it shows Islamic etiquette that um, the, the servant was not referred to as a servant, but as a young man. Um, and some scholars debate about the exact relation of this attendant to Musa alayhi salam, but um, there is a hadith that 
uh, suggests that his name was Yusha Ibn Nun. And then the, um, there's uh, a part of the ayat that says Majma al-Bahrain, which means um, where the two waters meet. So Musa al-Islam was told to um, seek out the knowledgeable man at this point. Um, scholars are unsure about where exactly um, this location is because there are um, many possibilities. And so the story of Musa al-Islam and al-Khadr which is mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf is also related in Hadith. So I'm gonna go through detail uh, talking about that. So um, Musa salam, had proclaimed himself the most knowledgeable human being and this displeased Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So um, he told Musa salam, to meet another more knowledgeable uh, servant of Allah and um, he was told to meet at the meeting of two seas. And he was also told to put a fish in his pocket. And when the fish disappeared, then he, then he would know that he had arrived at the destination. So Musa Islam and his attendant, Yusha Ibn Nun, um, they started their journey. And then at one point, they stopped to rest. And while Musa Islam was sleeping, the fish uh, came alive and returned to the sea. Um, Yusha saw this, but he forgot to tell Musa salam about it. And so they kept traveling uh, for one day and one night. And when Musa salam asked for the morning meal, um, Yusha relayed the story of the fish. So they turned back to um, where they had rested and they found Al-Khadr there. And Musa salam greeted him and introduced himself. Um, so Al-Khadr um, told Musa salam to, uh, that he would have to be patient and not ask any questions because uh, he would do things that Musa salam would, would not understand. And so Musa salam agreed. Um, and as they were walking by the shore, they came across um, some people who were in a boat and these kind people let Al-Khadr borrow the boat. Um, and while him and Musa salam were in the boat, um, Al-Khadr broke off a panel of it and um, Musa Islam asked why he broke off um, part of the boat because these people were very nice to them and they let them borrow it and he broke the boat. Um, so Al-Khadr reminded him to be patient and not to ask questions and Musa Islam then apologized and they continued on their way. Um, so when they got off the boat, um, they came across a few boys who were um, playing and Al-Khadr killed one of the boys. And again, Musa Islam asked, why did you kill this innocent boy? Um, and then Al-Khadr gave the same response um, that he wasn't supposed to ask questions and that he was supposed to be patient. And so Musa Islam said to give him one more chance um, and that he wouldn't ask any more questions. Um, and so they, again, they continued um, and they passed by a village uh, where they asked for accommodations as guests, but the villagers refused. Um, and on their way out, Al-Khadr uh, found a wall that was about to fall, and so he fixed it. And Musa salam asked, why did you fix this wall when these people were so unkind to us? Um, and so at this point, Al-Khadr uh, reminded Musa salam that um, all of his chances were up and um, that it was time for them to part. And so he gave an explanation for all three of the things that he did. And after that, um, in the Quran, it says what he said, uh, 
Um, and that means that was the reality of events over which you were unable to remain patient. And so as the Prophet وسلم, is relaying the story, um, <clears throat> it is reported that he wished Musa وسلم, could have been more patient so that we could have learned more about uh, the two of these men. And so this hadith, it establishes three important things. First, <clears throat> that um, Musa um, was the Musa that is talked about in these ayat and not another Musa. Um, second, that the companion that was with Musa was Yusha ibn Nun. Um, and third, that the knowledgeable man that uh, Musa was following was Al-Khidr. Okay, very good. <clears throat> so, so that is, as you know, one of the most famous stories of, of the whole Quran. Uh, let me just scroll up to the, the previous section. So one thing which we might discuss last time is in the story of the accursed devil. We find it in, in, in Adam and Eve, peace be upon them. We find it in little pieces throughout, uh, throughout the entire text. And we probably discussed this before, but when the Quran is sharing history, it's sharing it, it seems to be purely through the lens of the lessons, as opposed to saying, here's the events of history. And, and so all that it's least listing in the details are lessons, are moments that are relevant to the lesson or lessons that it's sharing. And so, for example, a big one with the story of the accursed devil is the sajda, is the prostration, and then how his, he refused and how he responded and such. And I think you got all the big points for that. Oh, you also mentioned that, you know, that man is very, very quarrelsome. And this also plays out in uh, a lot of the details of the whole surah, because the whole surah has all kinds of details which are not necessarily part of the lesson, and that's where people get caught up in arguing. And so it's one thing if people are uh, disagreeing about central matters. More often than not, people disagree about peripheral matters, and then that's where dis uh, division starts playing out in the community. And so you'll find this among so-called reformists and their followers, They'll raise points about issues that are actually not even secondary, not even tertiary, not even on the list of important things. And they'll say, no, this did not happen this way. It actually happened this way. And because they and their minions are taking a stance on it, that literally causes division. And, and, and so there's other passages in the Quran that say that they did not divide until after knowledge came to them. And so you would think, we would think that knowledge is a cause for unity, but that is if you are applying the knowledge that you're giving and you're keeping the priorities straight. If not, then inevitably, uh, the more someone opens their mouth, uh, the more someone takes stances, then they're literally causing division. And division might literally be complete sectarian separation, or it could be that, all right, we don't talk to those people. You know, and, you know, most division is not uh, irreconcilable. Most divisions are just people that just stop talking to each other. Uh, what else? Um, so we talked about the messengers and such. And, yeah. And then we get into the story of Musa, alayhi salam. And uh, 
are there any parts of this story that you find that you that that seem to stick with you? Um, I think it's just the fact that like Al Khadr, like he knew certain things about the circumstances, but to Musa Islam, it was perceived another way, mm-hmm. and so like. I guess the main takeaway that I took was that like, even if like something seems one way, like not to assume certain things Yeah. in general. That's a, a very important observation, literally about the whole surah. That if we go through the whole surah, and maybe we will if we have time when we're finishing the surah, it's like everything in the surah happens backwards. You know, here you have Musa salam, a prophet, one of the greatest of all prophets, who's getting instruction from someone else, mm-hmm. you know, and then even along the way, all right, you gotta, you gotta go where, you know, where you lose the fish. And, and so yeah, the fish uh, either bounces out or comes back to life or what has you, what have you. And, you know, Shaitan is trying to make them forget, but then mm-hmm. they forgot, but then that helped them remember, you know, where they had to be and such. And then, yeah, all the particular, like the three particular events and such, and I even wonder <clears throat> whether Musa salam is speaking here as Musa being himself, or he is also illustrating how students behave. And so uh, it's common for a student to be asking, you know, give me more information, more information, more mm-hmm. information, which is sort of what we mentioned before about people getting caught up in the details. And Musa salam might be going through these steps to show students how students often behave with the teacher. And thus we have etiquettes of the teacher and what are supposed to be the etiquettes of the students. And the, the etiquette of the students is supposed to be silence, patience, raise questions, but be cautious about raising challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, And so this story then gets used very often as almost like a first lesson when someone's taking a teacher on that, all right, go through this story to, to understand how you're supposed to be with the teacher versus how you should not be with the teacher, you know? And mm-hmm. so this is commonly used for, for that way. Uh, what do you think about Khidr himself? Uh, do you think he's a real person? Um, yeah, it's possible. Okay, no, 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 don't, don't give me possible. <laughs> <laughs> you believe Musa is a real person, alayhi salam? Yeah. Yeah, so then it's fair to say, fair to claim that Al-Khidr is a, a real person too. And... And I mean, the story of Musa al-Islam is full of the miraculous anyway. So mm-hmm. when the, within the lens of the story of Musa al-Islam, Khidr is not really all that uh, far-fetched. We're already talking about a story in which the sea is split into two mountains of water. And, you know, he hits the staff in the ground in a different moment, 12 rivers come. And they have Manna and Salwa. So through that lens, it's not really that far-fetched. But I think it would be fascinating if Khidr al-Islam is still alive. You know, and, you know, he's just doing his thing and people might be all around him and not realize what a colossal figure he is. Right. Because if he's if he's that knowledgeable, that he's more knowledgeable than Musa, alayhi salam, and he has these insights into the future, then he may not even be bound by physics the way we think of it. So. I think Khidr, and part of the reason why Sufis love Khidr is just because, like, you know, it's like he crosses so many boundaries of how reality is supposed to operate. Also in here, uh, we have some common philosophical questions. Are you familiar with the Hitler baby question? So, so yeah. the Hitler baby. 
tell us uh, what is it what so, is it i think it's if you were given the chance to like kill hitler as a baby would you do it yeah and so that's what we have here we have here the the story of the kid who is going to be tormenting his parents and it's almost like saying hitler saying yeah right yeah it can be justified uh why uh can we use this in terms of sharia why or why not like if you know that this baby is going to grow up and be a horrendously evil person you know can we kill that baby why or why not um i i don't know i i guess answer, not the answer is actually really really easy why do you say not um because it feels like an unjustified murder like it's an innocent okay. child so why is it okay for hither um it's actually super easy i've intentionally doing these academic tricks to make it seem difficult because we don't know uh, the future right, that's the real yeah. issue right there's there's no baby you can point to and say yeah i know what this baby is going to do and so by definition we have no permission to even you know think of something as horrendous but hither has this access to knowledge i mean it's even interesting i think it's in that passage he even speaks of himself with the we pronoun you know like uh we know of allah speaking of himself with the we pronoun mm-hmm. um and here himself he's speaking with the we pronoun i think ibrahim al-islam there's the point where he speaks of himself with the we so the royal we pronoun obviously mm-hmm. i'm not saying khidr is saying that he's allah i'm saying the pronoun of we is being used so khidr is just not a normal human being and i think those are all the big points that i have and you've already touched on all the 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 fundamental points mashallah okay cool any last questions about any of this uh, no okay inshallah then we will stop right here i'll turn off the recording subhanakallahu wa bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik okay